The Columbus Crew start a new season this weekend. Can they make the leap to MLS champs? I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Thomas Bradley. This is After the Score. Welcome to After the Score, 89.7's weekly look at sports. This week, Thomas talks to a beat writer for the OSU women's basketball team. They're looking like one of the best teams in the nation heading into the Big Ten tournament. We'll also hear from some of the instructors hosting sessions at the Arnold Sports Festival here in Columbus. Some people might not know that it includes a whole lot more than just bodybuilding. But first, the Columbus crew saw their playoff run come up just short last season when they lost to Portland in the MLS final. And they will have a shot at some quick revenge. Columbus opens their 2016 season at Portland on Sunday. Joining us now in studio is Pat Murphy, who covers the crew for the website Massive Report. Pat, good to have you back. That's the biggest story of the opener, right? That it's against the team that beat Columbus in the final just three months ago. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting that they scheduled it this way because Columbus is going to be out there as they're you know unveiling championship rings and you know i don't know if they'll do banners kind of a dig at columbus almost like hey look at our rings yeah the league's kind of kind of poking fun but you know the guys have admitted that it's a little bit of a motivated motivational factor um this week but the big thing they've said is no matter what happens in this game they're not taking home a trophy you know it's not going to really get them any sort of revenge for what happened last year um but they do take some motivation they're playing the defending champs so you know it helps you kind of get up get out of that preseason you know kind of lull and uh and you know get get started on a good note hopefully the the NFL kind of does this concept to an extent, extent where the Hall of Fame game is generally the two teams that played in the Super Bowl now right. the Hall of Fame game is the first game of the preseason and has no bearing on the regular season whatsoever but there's kind of some precedent to it to keep the momentum from the season before and continue it on into the next season. Yeah, and it's interesting with MLS, too, because, you know, the championship game was in December. It's not like it was, you know, months ago or anything like that. I mean, it, it feels like these teams just got done playing. So it really does kind of carry that that feeling over. I mean, obviously, there's some new faces and things like that for the start of a new season. But, you know, it certainly, uh, like you said, builds that momentum and, and carries it into the new season. The crew still do have most of their, their good players from last year. Kai Kamara, uh, Iguain, Will Trap, but you did mention some new faces. Talk about the new faces on the team. This yeah, year. there's a few new guys. Like you said, they kept a lot of the core, which was the goal of the offseason. Um, added some pieces. Greg Berhalter wanted to create competition. Um, you know, kind of you know make build build a fire out of a team that you know did pretty well last year. Um, they added um, midfielder um, Emil Larson. Kind of uh, he plays kind of a similar role as Iguain, but can also play on the the wings. Um, he, uh, he he looked good in preseason. We haven't seen a ton. They only played four games in preseason. Um, uh, Emerald Tarek is a guy who they added on the back line, can kind of add depth. He's a player that's actually on loan uh, for six months, um, and then they have the option to buy him. So that's a guy that, you know, if he impresses, he could end up here long term. Um, they've got some rookies that are still trying to make the team. Um, their first-round pick was a guy named Rodrigo Saravia, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, he's kind of in that similar role as a Will Trap. He'll add depth there. Um, Trap may be gone for the Olympics this summer, so he can he can help in those positions. Um, 
Um, and then they added a couple forwards. Actually, another Kamara guy named Ola Kamara. That's um, not confusing at all. No, not at all. Um, but uh, apparently, according to Kai, that's a very similar name to Smith or Johnson here. Um, and then Connor Casey, who's a veteran of the league, has been around a long time. Those guys are going to add some different dynamics um, when they're used. They're not quite the same player as a, as a Kai Kamara, but uh, gives Burhalter some options up top and, and a little bit of depth in case something happens to Kai. So new faces for the Columbus Crew SC and a, a new look. Uniforms were released not too long ago, and fans initially didn't like the look of the new uniforms. So we're on radio right now. Do your best to describe what these new uniforms look like for listeners. Yeah, so the idea was to kind of use the concept of the Columbus flag, which I know a lot of people aren't familiar with. I have no idea what that looks yeah, like. Yeah, well, it's red, white, and blue with a little bit of yellow in there. It's got the Columbus seal. And so when you know this was first kind of reported, um, we first reported it, no one was really sure how they were going to tie that back into the whole Columbus crew look. Um, they are keeping the black jerseys. They they said that from the beginning. And then recently they announced that the yellow jerseys will be worn for select games. So they're not getting rid of, you know, what they've what they've had. But, yeah, these are majority of it's white. Um, it's got some red and light blue trim um, and then like a yellow fade um, from the like collar on the front down down the chest. Um, still with the Barbasol logo, still with the Carissi logo. Um, but it is certainly a different look for a team that's, you know, worn pretty much either black or gold for 20 years now. You would presume after a second place finish that ticket sales would go up, that uh, overall interest in the team would be up, jersey sales up, things like that. Is that is that happening? Are we seeing that? Yeah, it looks like it. Um, the the season tickets, I think, are, are doing really well. I know they've expanded the Nordeca, the, the supporter section there in the corner of the stadium, um, to, to fit even more of the kind of rabid fans. Um, and, you know, people, people are excited. There's a biggest group in in the team's history traveling out west for this game you know going all the way out to portland so there should be a good representation of columbus fans there and then next weekend we've got the uh the home opener and i imagine that place will be pretty packed we've talked about kai kamara a little bit obviously the leading goal scorer for the columbus crew last year he's got a He's got a new paycheck coming. He's uh, got a couple more zeros on his salary. Talk about the deal he got. Yeah, just uh, just announced officially yesterday. This has been something that's kind of been going on throughout the off season. He after you know coming to Columbus last year and, and scoring twenty two goals and really being the focal point of the team's offense, he felt he earned uh, a new deal. And um, so he you know there was talk about whether or not he was going to hold out, and negotiations were were going on between him and Greg Berhalter. Um, he's going to be the team's second designated player, which basically means they can pay over the the league max that comes straight out of you know the owner's pocket, basically. Um, and you know it's it's good for Kai. You know he he came in and he's been great, not only on the field, obviously scoring the twenty two goals like you mentioned, but you know a real leader in the locker room, a, a kind of face of the team. He's a guy who's always got a big smile on his face and and gets along with fans real well. So making sure he's happy, especially because you know he's the guy who scores your goals, um, is important. And, Talking to him yesterday, he's he's pretty happy about about things going into the season. Sure, yeah, he's a lot richer. I can't blame yes, him. He, Kai, Kai Kamara has a new deal. The team also has a new TV deal. Yes, you and I talked about that a little bit last week. But essentially, it puts the overwhelming majority of crew games on local over the air channels. Correct. And yeah, it's it's going to be great. You know, like we talked about last week, the the problems were that fans couldn't see it easily and right. now you know when they're home or away you'll be able to find it if you can't be at the game and you know i think that's important for for a team that's really trying to build something special with with the city and around the league
the crew coming off a second place finish. It's hard to get much better than that, um, and a lot of things uh, it depend on on unknowns like injuries and things such as that. But right. would you say this team is better than last year, or about where do do you think they could or should finish? Yeah, I think I think they've improved. Um, I think the big question will be what how well the teams around them have have improved. You know that everybody's making moves and and hoping it works. Um, while you may see the same starting lineup that you saw in the MLS Cup final, the the depth I think is better. Um, so you know that kind of pushes guys and and whatnot. And Greg Berhalter can uh, can can tinker a little bit more. I think he's got some more options than he did last year. So it'll be interesting. You know, I would expect them to be right around where they were um, last season, and and you know maybe even push for that top spot in the Eastern Conference. We've been talking about the Columbus Crew SC. They open their season this Sunday at the Portland Timbers. We've been talking with Pat Murphy. He writes for Massive Report. Pat, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It hasn't taken long for head coach Kevin McGuff to turn around the Ohio State women's basketball team. Three years ago, he took over the team near the bottom of the Big Ten, Now they're right near the top. They finished in second place. For a look back at the regular season and a preview for the postseason, I spoke with James Grega. He covers the team for Buckeye Sports Bulletin. James, give us a quick rundown of this team. You know, they they were on a roll. I think they had won up to 11 in a row, ending with that senior day win against Illinois. And then you hit the road for two games against um, teams that they had um, they hadn't played Minnesota, but they had beaten Michigan State. And, you know, they go up to the barn up in Minnesota. They lose in overtime there to Rachel Bannum, the Big Ten's all-time leading scorer. And then uh, had they won that game, they could have clinched a share of the Big Ten title. And then all they needed to do was at least beat Michigan State to get a share. But fell in triple overtime there. Kelsey Mitchell, their star guard, um, breaks a school record for points in triple overtime, but they can't get it done. Um, so now they're looking at the two-seed in the Big Ten tournament. Um, they had a chance to win the Big Ten outright, um, beating Maryland, the best team in the Big Ten, who have ended up winning it. They beat them twice in the regular season, but um, those last two games cost them. So now they're kind of limping towards the finish line here in the Big Ten tournament with the number two seed, and uh, they'll play the winner of uh, the Rutgers-Nebraska game. So still a really good Big Ten season, all things considered. They went 15-3. and three. Two of their three losses happened in the last two games, both of them in overtime. What does the Big Ten tournament hold for this team? Is is it pretty much a beat Michigan State and then they had a matchup with Maryland? Yeah, I mean, they have to win their, their game on Friday against the winner of uh, Nebraska and Rutgers, but those are both teams that they've beaten this season. Um, if they were to get a rematch with Michigan State in the semifinals, I think that would be an amazing game. Obviously, playing in triple overtime last week, uh, Michigan State's got some really good players, led by Ariel Powers. She almost put up a triple-double against the Buckeyes um, in their final game of the regular season. That would definitely be a very intriguing semifinals if it, would, if it came down to that. And then if Ohio State's able to get past Michigan State and make it to the final game on Sunday, a lot of people are thinking it'll be Maryland. You know, Maryland's only ever lost two Big Ten games since I've been in the conference, both to Ohio State this year. So um, that would definitely be a game that probably has a lot uh, not just a lot riding on it because it's the Big Ten Championship, but um, it's almost becoming a rivalry game because those are by far and away the two best teams in the Big Ten. And like I said, Maryland's only lost two games in the Big Ten since they've been here, both to Ohio State this year. So um, that would be a great game to watch. You mentioned Kelsey Mitchell. She broke a school record last weekend against Michigan State. What what was that school record? Most points in a uh, game? Most points in a single game. She had 48 
Um, the, the, the school record was 42, which she had actually tied earlier this season. And her and um, senior guard Amherst Olsen had a chance to break it in the same game on uh, senior day against Illinois. Amherst Olsen finished with 39. Kelsey Mitchell finished with 35. Um, so they both were, I mean, pushing to at least tie that. But Kelsey Mitchell broke it against Michigan State. Um, 48 points is a school record. Um, it, 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 honestly, the way she plays, it's amazing she hadn't broken it sooner. But um, I think we'll see some fireworks from her. She's she's probably one of the streakiest players in the country, one of the streakiest shooters I've ever seen. When she's hot, I don't think there's a basketball player in the country, men or women, other than maybe Steph Curry, who is who is as streaky and as can get can catch fire as as much as her, but when she's cold, we saw it up against when they lost to Minnesota in overtime. She couldn't buy a basket. She was three of twelve from three. I mean, couldn't couldn't seem to get anything the fall. So if she gets hot, I think Ohio State has a really good shot of winning this tournament. But if she can't hit, if she's missing a lot of shots, forcing threes, which we've seen her do, then Ohio State could be looking at an at an early exit. I don't want to look too far ahead. I know the Big Ten tournament is this weekend. But right after that is the NCAA tournament. What kind of seed is Ohio State looking to get, and uh, what is kind of their ceiling if there is one for the NCAA tournament? Well, had they won out after that senior day win over Illinois, which they won by, I believe it was 40 points or so, um, had they won out, won their last two regular season games and won the Big Ten tournament, I think they would have been a lock for a one seed. But considering they lost their last two regular season games and there's no guarantee that they're going to win the NCAA or the Big Ten tournament, I think they're looking at a two or three seed now in the NCAA tournament, which means they will host um, the first round of games. I just... I, th- I think they're better slotted for a two right now because I do think they'll win at least one or two games in the Big Ten tournament. I don't see an early exit for them. Um, if they were to lose their first or second game, I think then they're probably looking at a three seed. If they were to go to the Big Ten tournament and win or even fall in the final, I think they're a two. But um, if they don't make it to the Sunday game in the Big Ten tournament, I think it's more likely they get a three seed in the Big Ten tournament. So, or, excuse me, the NCAA tournament. Sure. Is there a ceiling for this team other than the if they happen to play UConn in an early game? I know UConn is obviously the cream of the crop in women's basketball. It's been that way since you know we've been alive, essentially. Right. Um, is is there other teams out there that could stop Ohio State if Kelsey Mitchell gets going? Well, Maryland is definitely a team in the Big Ten um, that, just to start with them, they've given Ohio State problems. The, the big thing with Maryland is they're a very big team. They have some very good centers, very good forward and center play, which Ohio State doesn't have. The, the way Ohio State beat them this year was with really good outside shooting and moving the ball really, really well. When Ohio State doesn't move the ball well, we've seen it in these last two games, they really struggle, and they've struggled against zone defenses in these last two games, so I bet that's something that Coach McGuff has been working on. But to get back to the teams that could knock them out, Ohio State lost, I believe it was, let's see, five or six games this year. Um, three of them were to the top three teams in the country in UConn, South Carolina, and Notre Dame. Um, they were in games with Notre Dame and South Carolina, but they got shellacked by UConn um, early in the season. I think they could beat South Carolina and Notre Dame if they play their game and they move the ball well. But to beat UConn would really be just one of the bigger upsets in college basketball this year because UConn is on a, I believe it's a 60-some game win streak, and they're just unstoppable. So I think Ohio State, if they play their game, they move the basketball well, and Kelsey Mitchell and Amherst Dawson are making shots. I think this is a team that can make a run at the Final Four. But to get past UConn to win a national championship or to to get to a championship game, depending on how the seeding works, would be really difficult. 
So pray they're not in UConn's bracket is basically right, what you're exactly. saying. Uh, I don't think I've seen a schedule harder. We've talked about this with Coach McGuff a little while back. I don't think I've seen a schedule harder in a long time. They played all four teams that were in last year's Final Four. Mm-hmm. That's almost unheard of. Is that going to give them any favor in their ranking in the NCAA tournament? Is that going to help them lock that two seed down, you think? It definitely helps, especially since they won both games over Maryland, which was a Final Four team last year. Um, the the big thing I think for me is if if they make those losing those last two games in the regular season really hurts sure. them. I think um, if they if they at least get to the Big Ten final, I think they're probably a lock for a two seed. If they win the Big Ten final, then they're for sure for sure a two. Um, there'd be a little a you know it's a little iffy if they lose the the Big Ten final. Um, but I think they get a two seed just by reaching Sunday. If they don't reach Sunday, if they lose, if they get upset in the quarterfinal on Friday or the semifinal on Saturday, I think they're probably a three seed. But to to get a two seed, especially in this tournament with the Yukons and the South Carolinas and Notre Dame, Maryland, I think that would be absolutely huge for them to lock down a two seed, get to play your first games in Columbus. Um, I think that would be really big for them. They play so much better when they're at home. Uh, they shoot so much better. Um, when they're in Columbus, so I think that would really be big for this team, kind of jumpstart their NCAA tournament. You know, this team has only ever played um, two tournament games under Coach McGuff. Um, they didn't make it his first year here. Um, last year, you know, won their first game and then lost a heartbreaker in their second game to North Carolina. So not a lot of experience in the tournament, but a very experienced team in general. Um, I think they can make a run if they get that two seed. Um, they have a good chance, I think, at an Elite Eight. And if they play their game, a decent chance at a Final Four appearance. All right. James Grega is a writer for the Buckeye Sports Bulletin. He covers Ohio State women's basketball. And he'll be in Indianapolis all weekend to cover the Buckeyes. James, thanks for joining me. Not a problem. If you're in Columbus this weekend, you'll probably notice some increased traffic. You might even notice some bodybuilders walking around shirtless Mm. during the nice Sunday weather. It's because it is that time of year again. The Arnold Sports Festival is in town. Yeah, the annual fitness expo named after the governator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, runs through Sunday. Even though it's named for the most decorated bodybuilder ever, there's actually a lot more to it than that. There really is. On WOSU's All Signs with Ann Fisher this week, Ann had some guests running some pretty cool and unique exhibits at the Arnold. You'll hear from Chris Zabo from Zabo Fitness about yoga and from David Lee, who's an instructor of the Bollywood-inspired dance genre known as Bolly X. But first, Derek DuPont has a pretty cool job that I didn't even know existed before listening to this segment. He's a fitness music curator, and he's also helping host this year's CrossFit competitions. We're having a huge event where we're inviting all of the uh, CrossFit affiliates from the Midwest, really from anywhere, but mostly Midwest area, uh, to come and compete together this this weekend at this fitness summit. Um, so with that, there's lots of music going on, so I'm going to be DJing all weekend for these various different events we have. What do they tell you to pick? Well, it varies. <laughs> we have um, So we have some powerlifting going on there, too. Um, we're going to have some team uh, competitions. We're going to have some single competitions, some individual stuff. So um, I will be taking some requests um, to be able to cater to what people like there as well, uh, as well as um, just lots of things that keep the energy going. It's a very high-energy event that we have going on. When I've seen CrossFit competitions, sometimes it seems like when there's an individual being focused on, there's a 
a, I don't know, I, I, the music seems different when there's an individual versus when there's just a big group of people all going out at the same time. Yeah, it's it, for me, it's a little bit more focused when there's one individual. Um, so with the music, it's something that um, I try to kind of fit what they're doing at the time, and I can actually fit to the different movements they're doing and the different workouts that they're actually doing. Um, when it's, there's just a lot of madness happening yeah. at the same time, it kind of has to be an overarching just energy that's going on. So, yeah, absolutely. And and let's, uh, David, talk about this genre of exercise called mm-hmm. Bali X. I yeah. didn't know this was a thing. It is a thing. Tell <laughs> us what it is. I mean, is this? A- <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Bali X is a dance fitness class, and it's based on primarily the Indian dance styles and dance music. The so, Bollywood stuff Bollywood, we've seen yep. on... Uh, you know, Slumdog Millionaire. Exactly. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So Bollywood is a, it's a, it actually it's a film. It's the film industry of India, and it's unique in that it always incorporates some type of dance number. So think of. I don't know Broadway musicals, but it's in, set in modern day settings, and there's and no it has no relationship to anything. It seems like all of a sudden there's everyone's there's, dancing, yeah, song and dance, yeah, <laughs> and the three hour long movies. But it's it's incredible, and it's actually very very. Uh, Bollywood is a, a hodgepodge of all kinds of dance styles, so hip hop as well as their own Indian classical dance styles, and, line you know, dancing. And, yeah, I mean you see literally everything, and it's just it's fantastic. I love it. And and what about the music for that? Yeah, so Bollywood music, it's always going to feature primarily Indian, um, some type of Indian uh, instruments, so, you know, the the type of drumming that they have. But then it's also very Western-sounding as well, so a lot of hip-hop feel, a lot of heavy beats and whatnot, so it's very danceable music. So if you like Slumdog Millionaire, then you'll probably like Bali X. Or the Bessemer Gold Hotel or the first whatever those movies are, that kind of a thing. And Chris Zabo, you're going to be doing something a little different, um, it's, but it's something you're certainly experienced at. Tell us about what your your deal is. I'm doing there. So um, I'm going to be at the fairgrounds, and I mean it's such a huge expo. There's all different places. Yeah. So I'll be I'll be in the Bricker Building at the fairgrounds, and I'm going to be representing Zabo Fitness. So I'll have a booth. But what's really cool about it this year, I'm excited, is there's a Spartan Obstacle Course caddy corner to me, which is really great because what I do this time of year is I run training for obstacle course races, one of which is the Spartan Beast, which I'm training, as you know, I'm trained. It is never done it, never want to do Um, it. Never say never, (laughs) Anne. Um, Too many miles. So it's it's a May 7th event and it's 14 to 16 miles with about 30 plus obstacles. So it'll be great because people will come through with their kids and sort of I'll have I won't have a lot of music there because it's, you know, this big sort of venue, but I'll have a lot of I'll have video and pictures. I love the obstacle part of it. So that's what's going to be at the fairgrounds. Yes. Yeah. They'll definitely have different obstacles, which would be great, which will mimic what would be in the race. Without the 15 miles tech. And you don't have to run 15 miles even on a treadmill to do that now. (laughs) (laughs) When you're doing training, when you're doing your boot camps, you know, in indoor trainings, Mm -hmm. there's music. There, yes. But when you do the outdoor stuff... Not usually. No. no. Do you notice a difference? Do you wish you could kind of plug everybody into something or not? Honestly, no. Not during, um, which is ironic because, I mean, I love music. Yeah. And I, I, being outside when you're, you know, changing where you're at and kind of like you have bricks or sandbags or something, You, I don't know. It's just being outdoors is enough, it seems. Like no one's ever complained, complained about, that. about it, which is interesting. And I've never felt there's sort of this void. But when I do do outdoor boot camps sometimes, I do bring music because we're in like a more of a stationary yeah. You know, perimeter, if you will. So 
there's still a place for it, but I, I think sometimes outdoors is just is just what people need, actually. Mm-hmm. So with Bali X, David Lee, mm-hmm. um, what's going to happen there? I mean, is can anybody do this yes, with you? Yes, so specifically, I'll be teaching a, an actual class on Friday at 1.30 p.m. It'll be at the Hilton, I believe, is the hotel. Um, so Right by the... Um, the uh, the convention, the convention center, center exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so that day actually Friday is kind of known as the group exercise day. So, not only Bali X, but there will be other dance, fitness classes there, other exercise classes, for like Zumba, there. that kind of a thing. Yep, Zumba will be uh-huh. there, and uh, what else will be there? Um, a, a high intensity interval training class called Ripped will also be there. And so you can go and literally, I mean, f- for a day's admission, you can exercise for eight hours <laughs> if you want. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it takes exercise up. class after exercise <laughs> class. So, but my slot will be a one thirty slot. It's a, so hopefully, if anyone's around, then I would love to have them come in and join me. Yeah, dance. after a light lunch. After exactly, yeah, yeah one thirty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the Arnold CrossFit event. How many people are going to be participating, and how many hours of music do you put together for that? <laughs> Yeah, a lot of hours. Um, total, we have competing right now. I'm not entirely sure, but it's it's a lot. Um, we have over, I believe, 10 teams that are competing over the series of the weekend. We also have the individual competitors we've been there as well. Um, so we'll have individual competitors on Friday night uh, and then team competitions from Saturday and Sunday all day. Um, so, yeah, as far as music goes, I have well over 30 hours of music really? ready to go. Um, that wow. way I can make decisions and cut things when I want to and not... Because I don't want to have exactly the right amount, but I have to have a lot ready to go. So and when you're DJing, do you do a lot of chatter? Uh, I don't so much for okay. this. Um, we will have some, uh, mostly just to kind of introduce teams and things like that. But um, we'll usually have an MC on the floor uh, that I'll have a mic ready for that will be doing that running around. But um, I might do some transition things and things like that. But once it gets going, once it gets started, I let them do their thing, and we don't really mess with that too much. It's interesting. How did you find a path to fitness music curating? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> I never really knew that it existed. Um, <laughs> I didn't. I, I didn't know either. Yeah, it's something that uh, I've always had a passion for both of those things, uh, music and fitness. And uh, you know, once you're passionate about two things and you you find yourself in those two worlds, you find ways to make them work together. Um, and I started to find people that were interested in uh, furthering the relationship of music and fitness, and they just uh, it just kind of clicked. Uh, yeah, first you have to get people to buy in that it makes a difference. Yes, was absolutely. that hard? I mean, particularly you, music curator at Balanced Yoga, was mm-hmm. that hard to explain to them that you could take this a step further? Not so much. Um, once you kind of show the value of it and just and showing the value that they, everyone sees the value. It's just whether or not that they actually understand it. Um, so once you're really able to point that out and say, so what about in this class when you heard this song? How did that make you feel? They say, oh, yeah, you know what? I actually did feel a little bit different when I heard that. That actually mm. did change the way I was going into this pose or the way that I was attacking this. Um, and then they're like, you know, I really do see the value in that. That makes sense. Now what can we do with that? Yeah. And then from there, it's really easy to build upon and take the next step. Chris Zabo, I want to talk about how you train people for things like these obstacle course uh, daily dues. They're getting so popular now. There are so many of them yeah. out there. You, How many do you do over the course of a season now? Well... It looks like we typically do about three a year. Mm-hmm. So um, we will, like, we kicked off our training March 1st. 
or actually like February 29th. Wasn't and there. <laughs> what you say? I said I wasn't there. That's right. Go and ahead. you were not there. Um, so then we, we will do one in the spring. We typically do one in the fall. And then we, we've we had a third one, which like the Warrior Dash, which is shorter. It's like a 5K, 3.1, couple obstacles. And that's a great way to get newbies, if you will, to, that are like, oh, that looks interesting. It's more than a couple obstacles. I just want to say. <laughs> Let's be clear. That's where Anne started and stopped. Yes. With the, uh, which was great. So it, it gives people an intro to what that's like. Um, and then if they want to further it after that, you know, there's there's longer events like the Spartans. And how do you train for those things? What, what goes into it? Well, it's so fun um, <laughs> because you have this really fun mix of people. Well, people for sure. Yeah. Um, that wasn't what I was going to say, okay, but I just sorry. take that for granted. The people sorry. are amazing. They are. The team's amazing. Um, we get to have the elements, right? Mother Nature provides a lot of good training. So last year we had about eight inches of snow on our first day of training, and that's just the way you roll. I mean, you just have to deal with it. And that will do it for this week's edition of After the Score. You can find a full archive of episodes using iTunes and also using our mobile app. You can also find us on Twitter. Give us a shout-out at After the Score. Until next week, I'm Thomas Bradley. And I'm Steve Brown.